Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Gobeski Waltz Report. My name is Charlie Wallace. And I'm Adam Gobeski, and we have with us three card... What's the adjective? Carnal? Carnage. No. Carnageous? Carnies, the carnies. <laughs> We have three venomous carnage guests. <laughs> we have Doug Gobeski. Hello. Kevin Bredevogue. Hello. Paul Wilcox. It's great to be here. And we are here to discuss the 74th installment of the Sprite flavors. This is Sprite Limonade Legacy, celebrating 50 years of hip-hop, <laughs> lemon, lime, strawberry, and lemonade-flavored soda with other natural flavors. Wait, Hip-hop goes back to the early 70s? Oh, yeah. I believe it. Oh, I didn't know that. And it tastes... Why'd I even go to school? <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, in um, high school and stuff, before you could drink, they'd make a special punch by putting, like, fruit punch and Sprite together? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This presupposes mm-hmm. you went to any sort of school event, I guess. But that's what this tastes like. All right. So it's fine. Tastes like prom. Does it taste like strawberry? Yeah, there's strawberry in it. Okay. Yeah, so maybe it's like the high class version of the the punch. But we're also here to discuss the 74th installment of the Merry Marvel Movie March. It's time for the October 2021 film Venom Let There Be Carnage. Venom Let There Be Carnage is, of course, the story of one Dennis Venom, who is first in line for the Venom racetrack. And he says... Yay, I have this racetrack. Let's uh, let's open it to demolition derbies. And they say, uh, okay, but it's not that kind of racetrack. It's, you know, it's just a standard uh, oval. I don't know why a demolition derby is going to really work on that. And he says, I don't care. Make it happen. And it's a movie, so they do. And uh, so he gets a bunch of cars in and trucks and stuff. And he says, let there be carnage. And then they all drive into each other. And it's... A tight 35 minutes of vehicular mayhem. Oh, carnage. I get it. <laughs> oh, like Carmageddon. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, was a, it was a real subtle pun they were working, I guess, but some people caught it. Are they allowed to charge full price for a movie ticket for a 35-minute film? Uh, the box office says yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I thought Car- Carnage was the sequel to Dragon Age and Carnage. Uh, uh, that might be true in the video game world, but in the movie world, this is its own thing. Oh, okay. Because I think actually I read that the the title was actually supposed to be Let There Be Car Rage, but someone misread the R because it was handwritten as an N, so they made it Carnage. Also not to be confused with the Wii game Carnage, where you just guess Richard Carn's age. <laughs> I don't really want to respond to that because it was too perfect for me to ruin. <laughs> Charlie, three sentences or less. This is the story of our favorite lazy reporter, Eddie Brock, and his wow, <laughs> his uh, alien symbiote, Venom, and. The process of watching execution of a prisoner played by Woody Harrelson. Uh, he accidentally oh, see. I'm not even getting it right. <laughs> In the process of <laughs> interviewing a prisoner 
played by Woody Harrelson, he accidentally gives part of the symbiote to that prisoner and allows him to escape. And it's his job, uh, along with his ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, to capture this uh, psychopath again and get him to justice. Or kill him. Most likely kill him. Um, can I give <laughs> Oh, you're welcome to, yeah. Okay. Uh, we see the return of Eddie Brock and Venom in a new story in which convicted serial killer Cletus Cassidy manages to obtain Venom powers for himself, break out of prison, and then break his uh, old girlfriend Shriek out of prison and cause a whole bunch of mayhem. Do you think it was important to add that he was a convicted serial killer as opposed to just a prisoner? I mean, I left it open the yes. possibility that he was innocent. <laughs> he, he was in for a non-violent drug offense. <laughs> All right, how about this? Venom, Let There Be Carnage stars Tom Hardy as Venom, who is in a movie where a bunch of stuff happens, I guess. <laughs> that sounds accurate. That's You're not really wrong. The spirit of the lazy reporter. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I forgot to mention the guy who shot the uh, girlfriend in the face. Oh, uh, who I learned is actually a a Marvel character. That would explain it. It was a character from After My Time, so I only vaguely remember what Wikipedia told me. But it was like a character named Toxin, who may also be a symbiote or something. He was, I think, the third generation. Like, you got Venom, who birthed or whatever carnage who birthed or whatever toxin is that how it works in the comics something along those lines gotcha i kind of stopped reading spider-man comics after like 94 5 something like that so maximum carnage was the first like series of comics that i collected and Uh, i was briefly at age i don't remember when that came out but mid 90s so at like age eight, in the infancy of the internet, I was taking whatever information I could find, and I remembered Toxin. Good. Well, um, yeah, just talking a little bit about the background. Uh, as far as the movie goes, Venom made enough money that Sony was like, more please. So they made this sequel. Carnage is a character created by David uh, Michelini and Mark Bagley in uh, Spider-Man. He's meant to be a darker, more violent Venom, I think, because comics. And here's why 90s comics. Yeah, 90s comics specifically. And here's where Kevin probably has to step in because most of my knowledge of Carnage comes from Maximum Carnage, the video game, (laughs) the comic book ad. (laughs) So I don't think I ever played it, but I saw lots of advertisements for that and separation (laughs) anxiety. Yeah, I played both of those on my radar. I. I was obsessed with this comic when it came out 25 question mark years ago. So I read it about a hundred times 25 years ago and have not read it since. So my vague recollection of the backstory of Carnage in general is in the comics, Eddie Brock Venom, who is, I don't know, more threatening and less a weirdo in the comics, gets sent to prison And they put him in the same cell as convicted serial killer because they just put people like that in cells with other people. Uh, Cletus Cassidy. Hey, space um, is at a premium. I guess, even in the 90s. Um, Venom, the symbiote, gets back to Eddie Brock. They break out, and Venom leaves a piece of himself behind. I don't think intentionally. I think that's how they reproduce. 
And that piece bonds with Cletus Cassidy and becomes its own thing, Carnage. And Carnage murders a lot of people. That's basically his superpower. He murders people. Um, Shriek, I know, was important in the Maximum Carnage comic, but I don't know if if Carnage and her had a relationship prior to that. But in much in the same way. suggested it to me that they did. But okay. I didn't look too closely, so I could be wrong. And but. truly, I'm relying on, as I said, 25-year-old knowledge. So, yeah, basically, Carnage goes around murdering folks and generally beating up Spider-Man. That is the extent of my Carnage knowledge. kind of Sorry, just looking at Wikipedia. <laughs> it kind of looks like Shriek wasn't already Cletus Cassidy's lover or whatever, that they kind of met up. In Maximum Carnage, but okay. whatever. By the way, reading comic book, just like Wikipedia, <laughs> like entries without knowing anything about it, frequently just read like fever dreams. <laughs> <laughs> is this on like main Wikipedia or is this like, yeah. okay. She became a drug dealer, which exposed her to situations that ultimately damaged her sanity, namely being shot in the head by a police officer and being put in Cloak's Dark Force dimension, which awakened Shriek's latent mutant abilities. Spider-Man Volume 1, number 36. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I know what some of that means, but if I didn't, like, that would just read, like, word salad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what your problem is. It made perfect sense to me. (laughs) A big Cloak and Dagger fan. So what do you want to talk about movie-wise, Charlie Wallace? Speaking of fever dreams. Yeah. Had any of us (laughs) seen this movie before? Oh, yeah, that bit. I had not. (laughs) I knew we were coming to it, and even if if I had known, I probably wouldn't have. I enjoyed the first movie well enough, but not so much that I would have actively seeked this one out, probably. I also had not seen it before. I decided to save it for the march to go in fresh. Um, I kind of regret that decision because it does feel like a movie that might have actually benefited from a rewatch where I could go, okay, what's happening at any given time? But no, only saw it the one time yesterday. Um, I realized while watching it yesterday that I had watched it once before. So that brings me up to a grand total of two. (laughs) You're the expert. Wow. I guess. This is not an old movie either. You forgot it pretty quick. (laughs) Just, uh, I guess... My brain permanently burned that part of it out, so I would not have to recall any more Venom than was absolutely required. I had not seen it before yesterday when watching it for the podcast. And same here. For some reason, I was like, oh, how the hell have I not seen this? You know, And then I realized it came out in 2021, which somehow it didn't feel like it did. What know. did it feel like? I felt like it came out in like 2017? I mean, if I had to choose a year that it felt like, yeah, that's probably where I would <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> I don't know why. It just had that, you know, that spunkier kind of spirit. I think it not being, you know, is it MCU? No, it's SSU. Oh, okay. Yeah. The I think Spider- that's why. Sony's like, Spider-Man universe, I think. I think the I one, just The one formerly known as Spunk. <laughs> <laughs> I think I placed the Spunk verse in like a different like parallel <laughs> dimension or something i think that's reasonable (laughs) oh one thing we should mention that we didn't explicitly mention but this is one of the movies that was delayed many many times due to covid so it was initially supposed to have like a mid to late 2020 release and got pushed back a full year so the beginning of this movie is told in flashback and it just kind of sets the mood in a way that i don't know this kind of feels like more like an older sort of like less 
production value, like lower budget movie that we may have watched a long time ago, like more like a Punisher movie or even like New Mutants. Even Ghost Rider. Ghost Rider, yeah. Ghost Rider 2, rather. <laughs> Which I know it's not true. I, I guess I don't know what the budget of this is, but since the first one, uh, it's a I sequel that came pretty. hundred million. Okay, it came pretty quick on the heels of the other one. I was like, oh, this feels a little bit more straight to streaming sort of introduction. I don't yeah, know why. I noticed that sort of like animated introduction, and, and I just thought to myself, Charlie's going to hate this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I really hated more than anything was Woody Harrelson's voice coming out of that other actor. And I was like, this does not work for me. Oh. Like, I know Woody Harrelson's <laughs> voice, and uh, you could have just not done that. I would have I known who the character was. Not me. I was completely confused. <laughs> I was like, is that Venom? Oh, well. <laughs> That's not true. I was not confused at all. Are we going to learn Venom's origin story? <laughs> he was a human. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, yeah, how'd you feel about Woody Harrelson in this movie? I thought he was fine. I mean, I like Woody Harrelson in general, but he felt more like he was acting like a crazy guy than he was actually being a crazy guy i don't know i would say like i don't want to say he's he like crazy guy, it in huh? or anything but just it wasn't i don't know you didn't go it wasn't the ledger. joker exactly yes <laughs> literally what i wrote not ledger's joker <laughs> <laughs> more nicholson than ledger sure <laughs> more like those crazy psychopath tropes rather than like mm-hmm. anything particularly new or interesting for the character in general i did enjoy the line i've tasted blood before and that is not it i i don't know resonated or something i just, resonated. Like, I, that is absolutely not the right word and as soon as i said it i was hoping that enough people were talking over that that uh <laughs> but i mean when you think about it that is pretty mundane like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah i suppose <laughs> Everyone, everyone's like bit their tongue yeah. or whatever. We've all kind of too yeah, many no. Uh, warheads. No, no, no. I'm just thinking to myself. I know what my blood tastes like. Certainly, I don't know that I could tell you what anyone else's blood tastes like. See, thinking that there's different flavors to blood is already like psychopaths. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not saying anything, Doug. But you know. look, the psychopath. <laughs> was asserting that blood is supposed to taste just one particular way. Uh, I guess there's no flavors depending on how recently you've eaten a Big Mac or, you know, mm. what's your blood type or something like something like that. I could see the Big Mac influencing it. You know, all that cholesterol. Um, but he's tasted a lot of different people's blood, so he <laughs> knows, and he's just talking to himself, Doug. You weren't supposed to overhear that. <laughs> See that was the non that was the non like serial killer part of what he that's what made it mundane. He didn't say I've tasted lots of blood before or many varieties of blood. Before. Or lots of people's like, blood. I've tasted ah blood. <laughs> I've tasted blood of all sorts of people and all sorts of exotic animals. <laughs> it's not a if brand I've tasted. Had- if only we had been in the writer's room. Like, guys, you really need to make it much more explicit <laughs> how much blood this man is in. Like, <laughs> I mean, just liters and liters of blood. I have had emphasize so that it much wasn't blood. Too, like, <laughs> so we don't think we're talking about, like, blood sausage. Or <laughs> I think it'll really confuse the viewers if you don't specify that it wasn't blood sausage. <laughs> so to be clear, he bit... 
Eddie Brock's hand because he thought it was a blood sausage or a series of blood sausages. I mean, without the dialogue explaining it more thoroughly, I think we're left to conclude that. Yes. I mean, it does kind of look <laughs> seems like seems plausible. Got that nice <laughs> black color to it. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, along the lines of my introduction, is it weird that like Venom's a better t- journalist than Eddie Brock seems to be? Yes. <laughs> He comes that in and he's jerk. like, hey, I want a story. He's like, well, you need to print this special message from a serial killer on the front page. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, sure. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> I liked uh, after Venom and Eddie broke up, which I'm sure we'll go more into later, that Eddie, while trying to figure out how to do his job, asks himself out loud, what would Venom do? (laughs) (laughs) We're we're repeatedly told throughout the movie that Eddie is on and off again, some sort of world-famous journalist who does not know how to do investigative journalism, (laughs) apparently. I mean, it's hard when you, you know, life with a a symbiote has got to be tough, especially one with such a more assertive personality than himself you know like imagine like he's probably got used to not having to think thoughts <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the printing the giant message on the front page of the newspaper but one part that really strained my suspension of disbelief was why were shrieks captors just providing this steady diet of shriek and cletus cassidy related media to her it's like oh oh got the got the latest <laughs> yeah. message hot off the presses from your old boyfriend it's just taunting. <laughs> this may be a secret facility but we're not monsters <laughs> but yeah there was a lot of i mean that's a that's a big trope we've seen it before just like the captors taunting the prisoners but here it's like well yeah, what's your motivation? <laughs> I guess I just didn't care enough to question. It. I, I was guess like, so. all right, this this is what's happening. Fine, I give her the newspaper. Good for her. By the way, your boyfriend is going to die. I just wanted to let you know because I'm so <laughs> bored with this job. <laughs> Got nothing else to look forward to except taunting you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not like they were doing experiments on her. Right, they, they were keeping simply her there. yeah, just keeping her in. Some sort of uh, low-budget Magneto prison. <laughs> right. So let's talk then about what I thought was the most interesting part of the movie, and that is the relationship between Eddie Brock and Venom. Thinking of Venom, the comic book character, I think that adding that to the movie, and this is a two-parter, so bear with me, adding that to the movie was maybe like the most ill-conceived idea I could possibly <laughs> think of, but it was far and removed my favorite part of the movie and i almost wish they had just got like a rom-com director to do the entire movie there's like venom doesn't have an action scene until the very end anyways just like make an hour and a half long movie that is just about that and like i i would not be able to look away i would be very confused but i wouldn't be not enjoying myself watching it like whoever thought you know what 
this movie, we're going to make Venom a jilted lover, and he's going to a rave. Like, like the idea that you would take this character and, like, that's the story we want to tell is just, I, I cannot begin to grasp who thought of it. But, like, I wish that that guy had just run the entire movie. Maybe Carnage isn't even in it. They introduce Carnage, and they never address him again. <laughs> they just ride with it. Yeah, I was trying to decide how intentionally queer coded that relationship is. Like obviously the rave scene is pretty overtly queer coded, but I wondered about just the relationship in general. If that was an intentional choice, if it was meant to be a buddy thing, but then Tom Hardy was leaning into a different interpretation or what was going on there. Well it was the way I felt about it was that when they got to the rave scene, I was like, it wasn't coded enough up to that point where I felt it was appropriate. I was kind of like, yeah, oh, yeah. this is a little weird. They're just misunderstanding what he's talking about. <laughs> but oh, maybe, I, mean, I don't know. He's, he's just talking about the uh, trials and travails of being an alien, huh? <laughs> right. Hmm. Did you like that? I mean, maybe not the rave scene specifically, but just the arc of that. I did. I thought the, the stuff with him throwing all of the possessions out the window or whatever is like oh okay now i see what they're kind of going for with this <laughs> <laughs> the people yelling up at him like cut it out oh i feel like the throwing all the items out the window thing was just so they could set up the scene where he gets a new sony bravia tv <laughs> and, <laughs> and says nice tv while winking at the camera <laughs> Not gonna lie, the one before was that was two thousand dollars. <laughs> Probably LG, uh, like one of those OLED ones. But I kept waiting for like I thought there was gonna be something where they like talk about boundaries or whatever. Where they're like, "All right, well, if we're gonna make this work, then we've got to make these compromises." <laughs> it didn't really end up happening, and he just apologized, and it's back to the same old toxic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Think they that's really to say something? To, Maybe, yeah. The the moral of the story was more about being uh I forgot the tagline. Uh let there be carnage. <laughs> <laughs> the working about- title was American Carnage, but they had to ditch that after 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um the what what is it? What does he say when he's like pushing the when when they're like finally, you know, working together or whatever and he's pushing the concrete slabs off of himself i'm done with this grossness <laughs> i don't actually see any taglines on posters when i look at the various venom posters oh like what they are they're like the, the oh uh, what's the name of the say team something about they're like lethal protector lethal protector that's yeah. it oh <laughs> yeah where they keep naming the venom comic book <laughs> <laughs> oh is that is that what that was yeah <laughs> that was kind of like the equivalent of saying the name of your movie which did they say that Yes, very much yes. so. I'm sure. Yeah, it was like the first time they said it. I did the uh, once upon a time in Hollywood pointing at the screen. <laughs> he said the thing. <laughs> he said the thing. And then they just kept doing it. <laughs> and also, Eddie Brock is uh, wearing a weird Detroit Lions jacket. Yeah. Which uh, the internet tells me is an homage to Beverly Hills Cop 2. Okay. That makes more sense now. I guess. Well, ish. Because like, <laughs> I, I think someone asked him, like, all right, well, why are you homaging Beverly Hills Cop? And he was like, eh, I thought Axel Foley was cool. Because <laughs> 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 I like it. 
that sounds like about the level of thought that was put into this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Beverly Hills Cop 2 is the sequel to Beverly Hills Cop. Venom, Let There Be Carnage is the sequel to Venom. I mean, what mo- <laughs> it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I guess you're right. But that, yeah, that was one of the things I noticed. Just like, oh, he's wearing a weird Detroit Lions jacket for no obvious reason to me. <laughs> yeah, that no one ever comments on either. No one ever comments on. It doesn't look the way I think a Lions jacket would look. So, like, maybe I don't know what the older Lions jackets looked like. But Tom Hardy gets to do his basically the same thing that we enjoyed from the first movie, acting with yeah, himself. Yeah, it felt a little subdued to me. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. it's not as fresh. Yeah, like he'd reined himself in a bit to the movie's detriment. I'll agree with you there. I feel like the big issue with this movie for me, and maybe this is something that would improve when I, on a rewatch, but I don't understand why Carnage is in this movie versus any generic villain. Like, there's, it just feels like anyone could be in that Carnage slot, and the movie wouldn't really be any different. Like, Carnage to me never feels particularly, like, scary or threatening. Like, there's the moment in the church when, like, Venom's like, oh, he's a red one. And I'm like, so what? Why does that matter? Like, I don't know. Did anyone else feel that way, or was that just me? Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, every now and then, Cletus Cassidy would say his backstory. But besides that, they didn't, like, develop the character. They certainly didn't develop the relationship between either Carnage and Venom or Eddie Brock and Cletus Cassidy to the point where it made for an interesting dynamic. And I mean, it's an hour and a half movie. And I guess to your point on the threateningness, was this rated PG-13? It was, I believe, yeah. Which was such a strange choice when, to go back to what I said earlier, you have, like, you've picked a supervillain whose power is murdering people gruesomely. Yeah, strange choice all around. And I agree. They, I mean, it could have been any random symbiote blob, just like the first movie, and really wouldn't have made a huge difference. I don't want to spoil future movies, but I felt like I was more invested in the conflict in Morbius than I was in this conflict. <laughs> <laughs> they did not do a good job of making Carnage a threat. Like every, I mean, I guess the prison breakout, he killed some people, but besides that, he like burned down an abandoned building. He broke someone out of a supermax, whatever Ravencroft was supposed to be. And I, I think it was implied maybe he killed one to two people. But like, he the, the city's head. That's true. Well, at the very end. But like, before yeah. that, like, they seem to be implying that the city is freaking out that Carnage is on the loose, but they have shown nothing that he did to like justify how terrified we all are supposedly supposed to be for this. Well, I mean, he's a serial killer, he's Cletus Cassidy. I think they were freaking out more about Cletus Cassidy's on the loose than about Alien Symbiote is on the loose. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, I think Detective Mulligan commented something like, how's he making people see stuff? Yeah, that's true. So, like, they didn't even believe that Carnage was, you know, an alien symbiote because no one had explained it to them that Carnage was an alien symbiote. Also, and maybe this is part of Paul's 2017 feel, And also, I'm not 100% sure how you would improve upon it, but I felt like the CG of Carnage wasn't particularly impressive to me. It was... Like, like it felt kind of rough at times. It was fine. Like, it wasn't Wolverine Origins claws bad, (laughs) but, like... Fair. To me, it was more just, like, the visual... Even more, like, 
tentacles than at least my recollection from the comics was more kind of an amorphous blobby stabby thing i don't know i didn't i didn't care for that choice much the cgi itself didn't bother me too badly but like just the the overall aesthetic they went for i was unimpressed with i know i just had this sort of sense of just like this isn't real and i know this isn't real because it looks odd to me yeah i mean if Uh, they made the entire movie on 100 million i guess that's that's what it gets i suppose that's fair i didn't mind the the special effects for carnage in general except that particularly when a carnage breaks shriek out of the supermax and you know they're in the car like that whole scene just something about the interaction between woody harrelson and naomi harris just felt like off like it it felt like i was watching people in front of a green screen doing their darndest to pretend to react to what's going on but they can't see what's going on because the visual effects artists haven't made it yet and it just didn't quite hit like it's it just barely missed the mark but it missed the mark i also speaking of stuff like that thought it was a little weird how they it felt like they kind of go out of their way to introduce like shriek as sort of like in many ways the i don't want to say antithesis but like the thing that hurts carnage like it felt like they could set up like some sort of relationship about like carnage can't stand to be around shriek but cletus cassidy loves shriek and so there's like a weird triangle dynamic that just feels like it's barely explored if at all yeah just the carnage is like i'm gonna do what i want and i don't care about her but yeah not really explored just right there at the end of the final scene final fight yeah like it felt like they could have done more with that and they just didn't okay so yeah there is something of a contrast there in how Cletus and Carnage relate to each other compared to how Eddie and Venom relate to each other, where it's really just this relationship of convenience, very transactional for Carnage and Cletus. They like they clearly don't get along. I think, but it's just like they haven't even explored it. I mean, it's only a problem. Like Carnage even only has a personality at that last fight, I think. Before then, you barely even, I mean, really see him. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely noticed, like, I didn't really get any sense of Carnage at all, other than, like, oh, a, a, a guy who fights, he's good at that. Yeah, I but think that, yeah. get me excited about the, the, you know, villain. Yeah, to go back to what you said, Adam, that's the problem. It's like, we don't even know anything about Carnage. <laughs> yeah. But before we get too far away from the car scene, my irrelevant question. Is how did she know how to drive stick? Well, how did Cletus Cassidy know how to drive at all if he's been institutionalized since he was a child? Fair. <laughs> I don't no, know. he couldn't have been. No, no, no. He well, except yeah, he, was he was institutionalized as a child, but eventually he must have gotten you know old enough that he was no longer in the group home, and you know they released him out onto the streets where he then became a serial killer. Yeah, that's fair. And then he eventually oh, yeah. Caught I guess in order to be a serial and killer, put yeah. back in prison. He wasn't yeah, just no, a serial killer in the institution. In the Shriek, Shriek was my bigger question because she theoretically had been locked up the whole time. Yes, good point. I don't know. Do they make automatic 66 Mustangs? I don't know. That's, I'm not sure if they did back then. Because I feel like you got a shot if it's an automatic. <laughs> it's, if you got to shift gears, that I think you're just going to stall that thing out. Is that back when if it was automatic, it'd be like, you know, three gears, like yeah. and be shifting up on the wheel? Um, 
or wait, I guess if it's automatic, you're not shifting up there. Never mind. What am I talking about? You thinking of like paddle shifters? <laughs> I was thinking of the old saying three on the tree, four on the floor. I was like, that doesn't sound like a lot of gears. Oh, it looks like there might have been an automatic 66 Mustang. Doesn't sound like they made a lot, though. About 5,500, it looks like, according to this. Mustangspecs.com. <laughs> Here, I'll drop this in the chat well, so it can go on the blog. It was her favorite, and he found one. Yeah, no. And then I'm just surprised she knew how to drive it. That's my, that's my point. <laughs> we all had questions of that scene. <laughs> I was too distracted Some to watch the CG. Some more pressing than others. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I guess my question is... Uh, uh, this actually says they're about 167, 63% of 66 Mustangs had automatics. All right, yeah, no, objection withdrawn, but we'll still keep this in the blog. How did the cops not manage to stop the car, given how many bullets they were shooting at it? Look, how do watching, you miss an engine block? We're watching the one timeline where they failed to hit the engine block. <laughs> You know, he just happened to steal the only um, aftermarket armored 66 <laughs> Mustang. Michelle Williams back. Briefly. Yeah. It feels like. <laughs> yeah, it feels like. She's a decent amount of it, but yeah. Yeah, but it's only a 90 minute as, movie. Uh, <laughs> as integral as she did in the first one. No, I think. no. Boyfriend Dan gets more season. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I really like to bring, really bring liked... him back. I feel like things really kind of picked up, you know, uh, at that point in the movie. Yeah, even if they gave him a bit more comedy comedy than he had in the first one. But I was okay with that, I think. Just a lot of I'm standing right here jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Can we all marvel at the fact that um, fire and sound without the sound made it into the final draft of this movie? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> look it's like uh, what happened that's to struck by lightning come on Charlie <laughs> <laughs> Man, you're taking away all the best bits that I'm going to mention <laughs> also we haven't mentioned this yet and I feel like we should but this is directed by Andy Serkis oh yeah which I didn't realize oh, until the end yeah. has Gollum directed anything else uh I think think so i have the wikipedia page up because i was literally just looking this up he <laughs> has directed two things prior to this okay breathe which Never is a bleaker street distribution and Mowgli: legend of the jungle for netflix prior to let there be carnage i feel like there's gotta be some way we can tie this to the new Gollum video game <laughs> <laughs> both were bad that's that's all i have one degree of separation (laughs) i i feel like in order to be comparable like midway through viewing this the blu-ray would have to catch fire (laughs) wow preventing you from watching the rest of the film you know there are a lot of names in this breathe movie andrew garfield claire foy hugh bonneville ed spielers i recognized one of those Ed Spielers plays Jack in Picard. Who? Jack. Who's that? I don't want to say anymore. Spoilers. Is that a season three thing? That is a season three thing. So what's something about this movie you like that we haven't talked about yet? Um, Pass. I I was going to say, I'm looking through. Oh, you know what? I do actually have one more positive thing in my notes. And uh, that is that I did like some of the shots in the cathedral fight scene. I mean, like um, at one point, Carnage gets thrown back 
and he's framed against this like stained glass window. And I thought, oh, that's kind of a cool shot. And then I continued watching the movie and was continuing to be sad. <laughs> uh, I like Detective Mulligan. Yeah, it wasn't a bad character. It was nice to see a character who's a police officer who gets in a fight with a superpowered person and manages to not die like he's a red-shirted Star Trek guy. How did he manage to not die? I felt like I missed a scene there because I thought he'd been hanged and then he just kind of pops back up at the end still with something wrapped around his neck. Yeah, Uh, I believe the, and I think I had to read this off screen but i believe the intention is that he has a bit of symbiote in him yeah his eyes are i saw blue. his eyes yeah, yeah. something's got yeah, him. so much how venom fixes for lack of a better word eddie brock toxin fixes mulligan okay so but that was never shown on screen outside of the eyes turning all bluey whatever I, at the end right i believe it's that okay i so i don't know if this counts because it's basically unintentional but yeah just the whole i'm an amazing journalist stories like <laughs> just fall in my <laughs> lap <laughs> and i guess i write them up i don't really do any work sort of stuff it's like <laughs> he just doesn't seem competent at all in it <laughs> and this all seems to work out for him it's like what a great reporter like what i just i don't know i thought it was amusing i liked when he was uh doing his his own research after venom has left and he goes <laughs> to uh i don't remember which building whether it was the orphanage cletus grew up in or what but like he barely walks on the premises, walks up to a tree that happens to have the information that he needs carved on it. And then he's just like, hey, I think this is probably related. And it just, it, it happens to be true. Carved in giant everybody. letters. Yeah. <laughs> that place looks spooky. I don't like going Since Charlie took my uh, Dan's back thing. <laughs> Uh, I did like the moment where Michelle Williams briefly becomes she Venom again. And then she says, like, I don't want to do that again, but maybe I do. It was kind of fun. Like that whole exchange, like kind of made me laugh a bit, even though it was ridiculous. I was like, "Eh." (laughs) I mean, I know we kind of talked about it, but I, I did actually like the whole goofy fight between Venom and Eddie Brock. Like I can definitely get behind that, like becoming the movie. Because I kind of thought it was gonna be for a while. Like, I was like, oh, this is the Venom movie that's about, like, how he can't be satisfied by just chickens. Like, I, I thought that was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Unironically, it is the best part of the movie. Like, I mean that in all sincerity, yes. Yeah, we didn't talk about <laughs> like, the chickens It's just gonna all. be like, oh, we find alternative sources of food with Venom and Eddie Brock. <laughs> that is the carnage. But also, he doesn't want to eat the chickens because they like each other. (laughs) (laughs) Sonny and Cher, was that their names? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And then Eddie releases the chickens to hang out by his statue. And they stay there, like, (laughs) for a day or two. like Returning them to the wild as all (laughs) chickens belong to me. (laughs) The wild of a Cervantes statue. (laughs) (laughs) But it just goes back, though, to, like... They didn't really solve anything. Eddie just kind of apologized and got Venom back, and then they go somewhere else. Like, is he allowed to eat heads now? (laughs) (laughs) Is he eating chickens again? What's (laughs) how is this better for anybody? Well, it's better. It's better in that I got the impression that Venom wasn't 
compatible with anyone other than Eddie. Yeah, yeah I kind of got wondered if that's why people kept dying. It really wasn't right, a yeah. quit you baby situation. That that was. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did get to eat uh, Cletus's head at the end. I don't know how That's often true. he needs to eat a head, but maybe that'll you know buy him a month or so. Yeah, they need, really, they need to come up with a Twilight style scenario where they can ethically like get heads. You know? Oh, I thought you <laughs> okay, meant I'm where not... it was all imagined in the <laughs> two movies. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not familiar with Twilight. Uh, what do you mean? I'm thinking sure they have ethically theory. sourced blood or something, right? Yeah, like basically, like the what's his name, Edward. He, yeah. him and his like family somehow figured out how to get blood. Yeah, without hurting people. I can't remember how it was done. Like probably like maybe or like like donations that they were throw it into the dumpster or something like expired, but I don't know exactly what, but it was something how it was less satisfying, kind of like Venom and his, you know, uh, chocolate uh, getting by on just chocolate. Oh yeah. Is that a real thing that they mentioned? Whatever chemical in the comics? Yes. The chocolate is an alternative for him eating brains. He has to eat a lot of chocolate though. All right. Well, Charlie, I want you to deep dive on the uh, blog. Okay, sure. (laughs) Is the whole like moral of the story here that sort of saying about like, well, if you have two toxic people in a relationship, at least they're only ruining one relationship instead of two. (laughs) It's a moral for our times. (laughs) So before we wrap up, let's just talk a little bit more about the ending. So uh, the part where Venom is lowering. uh, Yes. Anne, is that her name? Yeah. We're, yeah, he's like getting stabbed by Carnage and lowering Anne down way far down to the ground. <laughs> I actually chimed in on the uh, Skype chat. Suck it, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, because like, oh, <laughs> she's going to go down, but she's not going to die horribly. <laughs> I, I thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> to getting, yeah, Gwen Stacy vibes at that moment. <laughs> yep. Blonde girl potentially uh, going splat. See, the Sony Spider-Man movies are learning from their past mistakes. But I spoke too soon because they follow it up with Shriek falling to the ground and then being crushed by a bell. Was that irony? Uh, they I mean, the answer like is no. Grass or something? Uh, the thing <laughs> that makes sound killed her, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the very sound she thought she was in control of. <laughs> sometimes things it's just a side effect though you know, sometimes things that make sound also are heavy and deadly <laughs> just something i mean about the yeah kevin said that <laughs> there's so many other ways you could die though are there I'm trying to think of any you could have your head bitten it's off pretty much crushed to death or bust yeah, yeah. or head bitten off yeah, i suppose Oh, shoot. Is it worth mentioning that after the credits scene, that seems consequential? Oh, all right. Yeah, except I've seen the subsequent movie and know that it's no, it's not consequential. Really, I meant more for the purposes of this conversation. But yes, I agree. It does not really go anywhere. Hey, well, no I mean, it. sorry. Sorry. Come it's on. very consequential and uh, has dramatic impact on the future of all MCU SSU movies. I'd assume they were showing us that he somehow 
reality shifts into the Peter Parker Spider-Verse. Yeah, that's basically what seems to be happening. Or did you want to talk about the guy with the sunburn? Whose room he's in? He seemed relatively laid back, given the situation that a man had appeared in his uh, bed unexpectedly. Well, he is in the MCU at this point. I assume that sort of thing happens more often than staying there. Oh, yeah. He probably assumed that it was just like, gosh, what do they oh, call the, that? The blip. The, snap, the blip. The blip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He the just assumed it was back. another blip thing. <laughs> like, oh, this again? <laughs> just in reverse. You know, just like, oh, <laughs> It's just like a bunch more people right now. Well, no, because that's what happened when uh, oh Hulk the blip did it. The, uh, oh, I snap. thought I thought you were suggesting that there was like a snap, but this time someone was like, "I want there to be twice as many yeah. people as there yeah. were before." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> ultimate snap. Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna double the population. <laughs> Maybe that'll up our chances of someone solving all the problems. That would have made for a much more interesting endgame movie where they have to decide to save the universe if they're willing to destroy half of all life. Like, it is literally the opposite of the choice that uh, was presented in the heroes versus villains. Real Pyrrhic victory. Yeah. (laughs) All right, you can save the world, but a whole other family has to move in with you. (laughs) And also everyone else. And in this situation, too, is the idea then that a bunch of new people show up in the universe, but they're all like adults that like have no history or past. Like, no, they're they're varying ages. They're varying ages. They also think they've been there for a long time, and you can't tell who's real and who isn't real. Yeah, it's got real. uh, Can't think of a movie where that would happen. <laughs> but if that movie exists, it's got those vibes. Moon. This... How about Moon? It's got real Moon. Vibes. <laughs> Were we supposed to believe that uh, this strangeness happened because Venom was trying to give him some of his collected knowledge, or was it just no, a coincidence? He says it wasn't him. It's, oh, okay. it's yeah. When we watch No Way Home, I think that can be addressed more explicitly yeah, this is okay, a table sure. discussion all right <laughs> was there something else you wanted to discuss regarding this scene kevin no i just realized it's you know given we are on the mary marvel movie march somewhat relevant to future movies so mm. yeah i thought it'd be yeah. good to bring it's up venom could get tied into to more movies beyond just yeah. venom venom never know what hit him ah, we don't get that this time though no we do not so ultimately what did you think of venom let there be carnage would you watch the movie or not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if a good either or on this. <laughs> really resounding. Uh, <laughs> I did. <laughs> Would you. Would you eat it like a chicken to satisfy your hunger? Or would you let it live? <laughs> Perfect. Like Sonny and Cher. Like Sonny and Cher. I mean, the only downside is that was going to be my. 10 out of 10, but that's oh. fine. We'll go with it. <laughs> Guess I'm just asking how many Sonny and Cher pairs out of 10 would you give this movie? <laughs> I would call this movie an improvement on the original, but exclusively because of that very, very strange, ill-conceived, but somehow so ill-conceived it like rotates back around to brilliant choice to make it a 
queer love story between Venom and Eddie. And they they don't dive deep enough into it for me to call this a good movie. But like there were inklings of something that would never have been made. I mean, there's no universe where someone at Sony decides to make this a, a literal love story, rom-com, whatever. But a mumblecore buddy comedy. Whatever the <laughs> hell you want to call it. But that that element of it existed at all. I don't I'm not saying it makes me want to like rewatch this, but I would see value or at least entertainment value in like trying to get other people to watch it just like to see how they react to it. So you want to watch other people watch Basically, it yes, too. that's exactly right. <laughs> so So has Jesse seen this yet? She has not and I don't know that I was subjected to this. <laughs> but <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, the the rest of the movie is the same issues I had with the original Venom, just kind of a eh, action-y, not all that exciting, kind of bland. I gave the original Venom, I don't recall if it was a 3 or 3.5 out of 10. I think it was a 3.5. It was I'll, a 3.5. Give, I'll give this one a, a 4.5. Is it Sunny and Shares? Is that what we settled on? Yeah, so I guess the point five is just Sunny. Just Sunny, exactly. Yes, one <laughs> or the other. Uh, four and a half out of ten. So I think it's fairly easy to rate this because there wasn't any particular thing about it I liked more than the first one. I know during the first one what we said, and I think Doug even said we'd be excited about this one because we wanted more of the sort of, sort of buddy comedy stuff. And now that I've gotten it, I'm like, eh. And then everything else is kind of like, oh, more of the same and like maybe a little bit toned down Tom Hardy, which we didn't really want. The villains were kind of not forgettable, but, you know, they didn't quite go for it either. So, yeah, just like the last one, except less. So I'm going to give it a five. Oh, so uh, a lot less. Well, yeah. Because you gave the first one 6.5. I It puts it in line with a couple of Fantastic Four movies, which feels right to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I think for me, I don't find it as good as the original. And I think part of that is because it's very unbalanced as a movie. In that far and away, the more interesting part of this movie is the Venom-Eddie relationship. Even if sometimes it's not handled terribly interestingly, but it is more interesting. But the movie seems to really want us to focus more on the carnage plot, but it doesn't develop that side enough for us to really care about it. So that frequently I find myself kind of bored whenever carnage was on screen, which is crazy in some ways because it's carnage and it's Woody Harrelson. Like that should be a draw and it just wasn't. So yeah, like it's not the worst movie I've seen. There are parts of it that I like. But I just don't think it's nearly as successful as the first one. And so that's why I'm going to give this six Sunny and Cher chicken pears out of ten. I just about agree with everything so far. I think my biggest positive point about the movie was that it was just so weird. That I was I was just so happy that it got made. But uh, in the end, didn't give me uh, quite the fun romp feeling that I got from the first Venom, which I gave an 8.5. So I would say I'll give this, I think this is a 6.5 Sonny's, Sonny and Cher, Sonny's and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one share. 
and a whole bunch of sunnies. <laughs> Twelve sunnies and one share. <laughs> I know that's kind of a it's a sizable downgrade, so it's probably a pretty subjective measure. But I just remember having a lot more fun watching the first Venom. There was bright spot scenes of this, but it was mostly the goofy stuff to me. Everything else was just a little bit boring, I guess, but still had enough to, you know, for me to give it a 6.5. So I was excited that one of the uh, Venom GIFs that Captain was sending to us in text was from this movie. One of the ridiculous <laughs> Venom GIFs. <laughs> Unfortunately, not the saxophone one. Uh, I wish it was. <laughs> we got Venom 3 coming. <laughs> They could always go the Sonic route and incorporate memes, you know. (laughs) (laughs) So my take on this movie is that it's definitely a movie. (laughs) Like, I have to compare it to the first one, essentially. It feels like the first one was, you know, actually a really well done movie, in my opinion. Um, You know, had a plot with commentary to, you know, about society and such to say, the villain in the first one was really great. This one, it's like, it has a plot, I guess, barely. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, so much of it is just kind of a bunch of stuff that happens. That is how I described it at the beginning. You're right. It yeah. It has a plot, and that's the worst part of it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep going back to the plot. <laughs> well, I mean... I'm watching my story. They barely got any story to it. Where's the story? There's no beef. Yeah, exactly. Where's the beef? Oh, uh, yeah, I guess. You expect me to eat just chocolate and chickens? I need brains. I I do like how Venom's a big telenovela fan. (laughs) (laughs) This movie needs brains. Uh, That's a pull quote. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever heard heard you say that, Doug. I know. It's <laughs> Doug, the dumb guy movie proponent. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's, it's, it's just that it's the plot is so lightweight. I'm sorry. I'm just so frustrated by it. I really wish that they had done, I don't know more. Like you guys said more with the Eddie and venom breakup stuff. Essentially, what we saw was that, okay, well, without Venom in his life, Eddie kind of becomes a normal person, you know, cleans up the place. Real Ooh. loser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's just a trifle for me. It's, it's trifling. So I'm going to have to give this one 6 out of 10 Sonny and Cher chickens. Like, it's not terrible, but... It really had a lot of unrealized potential. That's a good way of putting it. So thanks, everyone, for joining us on installment 74 of the Mary Marvel Movie March. We're now going to jump forward a full month to the November 2021 film Eternals. So We hope you'll join us for that. But before we get to that, we will be doing the Sci-Fi Shuffle Movie Prospect. And before we get to that, it's Piscopo Day next. Oh, yeah. Oh. So we hope you'll come for some shenanigans and uh charlie's annual terrible snl sketch (laughs) (laughs) if you can find another sketch show he was on we can do a sketch for that show (laughs) (laughs) 
I hear Joe's showing up this year and actually doing the voice this time. Oh. <laughs> You're volunteering to be Joe Piscopo? Is that what I hear? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking way back to, was it, what, 2015? Something like that. When you were like, why don't you do it in your trademark Joe Piscopo voice? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just did that's not take we, that note. We established forever that that's not going to happen. <laughs> I forgot about that. I guess it wasn't traumatic for me. <laughs> I'm Adam Gobeski. And I'm Charlie Wallace. And we had three... Uh, venomous carnage guests today we had <laughs> doug gobeski thank you for having me kevin redevog it was a pleasure being here and paul wilcox it was uh great to be back as always all right eternals next huh yeah i already have this one downloaded because i <laughs> download because i downloaded it when we were gonna watch new mutants because i was just short handing to like the you know the movie that no one watched or whatever <laughs> what's the movie no one liked oh, it yeah. <laughs> yeah. thanks everyone for listening to the show make sure to check out GobeskiWallaceReport.com we've got lots of exciting opportunities for you to entertain yourself there oh I thought you were talking about job opportunities the job opportunities we have don't pay so they're really more of unpaid internships and you can follow us on Twitter at GW Report and you can like us on Facebook so if you're looking for an internship talk to Charlie an unpaid internship that gives no letter of recommendation just the satisfaction of a job well done but you can stay at Charlie's house um all right Am I oh, man? What? Talked all about cars and demolition derbies, but I could have misheard it as Carthage, and Venom could have gone to Carthage. Sorry, just thinking about yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> there be Carthage. <laughs> There's got to be more Richard Carn ones too, like Carn Edge. <laughs> like, like you can be straight edge, but you could also be like Carn Edge. Like, just like even more straight edge <laughs> oh we're off topic now but i definitely watched the uh first season finale of detroiters with richard karn <laughs> yeah where he does the al borland tear away <laughs> i i don't think it's much of a spoiler and it's a throwaway like gag but at one point I think uh, one of the characters is reading a book called Karn on the Cob, which is Richard <laughs> Karn's book about yeah. Kai Cobb. <laughs> it is my favorite throwaway gag of the entire series. Sure I don't think that, I saw yeah. that. Like, like those books that like uh, Sam and his girlfriend are like reading in bed. Like one yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. Harvey. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that one. <laughs> they're, they're always great books. Oh. Yeah, Karn on the Carb. <laughs> Reacts to messes, Steve Harvey. <laughs> <laughs>